Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Luke chapter 14, 25 to 33. As you hear these words, you'll realize this can sound like a difficult passage of scripture, primarily because it is a difficult passage, but one that we need to look at. So follow along with me as I read. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able, with 10,000, to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This scripture that we just heard is one of those that usually makes hearers of these verses respond with something like, wait, what? Did he really say that? Did Jesus really say we should hate? Oh, that can't be right. Come on. And looking at a scripture like this, we need to remember, among other things, that there are multiple places in the Gospels where Jesus uses various speaking or literary devices. In some places, Jesus taught using comparison. In some places, he taught by contrast. In other places, like this passage we just heard, Jesus uses hyperbole, extreme exaggeration to make a point. I mean, we know what that's like because we do that too, right? When we say something like, I've told you a million times to go clean up your room. I mean, we say things like that. Or, uh, I love you so much, I could just hug the stuffing out of you. Really? Or, you know, maybe you remember a time where you said, I just have a ton of homework to do tonight. We use exaggeration, hyperbole kind of things to make points. And so we understand what that means and can, can read that into what Jesus is saying here. It seems to be he wants to emphasize by exaggeration what he really meant. If we hear this in the context of all of the words of Jesus that we have in the gospel, we can understand that, yes, it may sound a bit exaggerated 
to hear if you don't hate father, mother, brother, sister, all of that stuff. That sounds so extreme, but when we hear it in the context of all of the gospel, we understand that the call in this scripture to love God, to follow Jesus, to love the Lord with all our heart, those kind of things that we read in scripture really will lead us to more effectively loving others as well. So it's not love one, hate the other. It's love God and everything begins to fall into place. And all of that together works, to, works as a call to us as the ultimate call to prioritization, prioritization. Making sure that even really good things aren't taking the place of the best and most important thing, which is our relationship with God. Um, let me share a couple other translations with you of a couple of the verses we read earlier. See if it helps any at all in our processing of the verses. First, from the message version. Anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even one's own life, can't be my disciple. Simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. Little different feel to that. Maybe that uh, sheds a little more light on it. And then let's look at this one from the contemporary English translation. Same verses. You cannot be my disciple unless you love me more than you love your father and mother, your wife and children, your brothers and sisters. You cannot come with me unless you love me more than you love your own life. You cannot be my disciple unless you give away everything you own. After reading that last part a few times, it rings in my mind as maybe that means I need to give away everything that owns me. So those translations help a little with that whole uh, hate your mother, father, brother, sister thing. They shed a little more light on it. And then there's the other part of this scripture, the call of Jesus that follow me, but you cannot become my disciple if you don't give up all your possessions. And we need to understand this phrase. None of you can become my disciples. We need to hear that correctly. This is not meant to sound like you may not be my disciples. You may not have permission. That's not the point. Jesus is not saying, I won't allow you to be. It's much closer in meaning to hear it as you will not be able to be my disciples, meaning will not be capable of being his disciple because of who we choose to be in following self rather than the Lord in clinging to the things that prevent us from being close to the Lord. So maybe we hear those words like, you won't let yourself be my disciple. That's much more the case than Jesus saying, I won't let you. Of course, 
He'll let us. We're called to do that. So as I've wrestled with this scripture myself, for my own wrestling, I keep coming back to the thought, this is about choosing convenience or commitment. It's about choosing what is most convenient for me when it's most convenient or about a total uncompromising prioritized commitment to Christ after which everything else falls into its proper place. Convenience or commitment. When I started as a student at Moorhead State University a hundred years ago or so, you know, way back in the fall of 1976, I began as a music major wanting to become a high school band director. I'd wanted to do that for about five years. For the first year of my college time, I was a percussion major, which was completely life dominating. The people in that department who were really good, they either had drumsticks or some type of mallets in their hands about 10 or 12 hours a day banging on things, clicking on things, playing scales on keyboard instruments. After a year of that, I decided, nah. If I wasn't going to be a band director, I thought, hey, maybe I could be a, a choral director. So the first semester of my sophomore year, I switched to be a vocal major, and that meant I had to take voice lessons. Well, I got to tell you, I was a terrible voice student, terrible. I simply didn't practice. Sometimes I thought I was too busy. Sometimes I just wanted to do something other than practice. Sometimes I was too tired from doing some of those other things that may not have mattered as much. Sometimes it simply wasn't convenient to get out of the dorm, go over to the music building, find a practice room that really had a workable piano in it and go in and practice. It just wasn't convenient. And if the truth be known, I probably only practiced about once a week for a little while. Do you know what practicing once a week leads to? It leads to becoming a psychology major. <laughs> At some point, I had to ask myself this question. Is it a good, wise choice that I'm making when I'm choosing convenience rather than commitment? Of course, it was no, that's not a good choice. And I had to live with that choice. Am I going to do convenience or am I going to commit? The words of Jesus we began with this morning in the scripture caused me to ask the same question about my own discipleship and about the churches in general. Am I willing to count the cost and understand that there's significant expectation if I'm really going to choose to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is going to demand some 
sacrifice on my part if I'm going to move forward beyond convenience to an all-out, no-excuses, no-limit commitment to following Jesus. It seems to be the case that those who were following Jesus at this point in the stories we read in the scripture, they were following Jesus because of the way they had been blessed by being in the presence of Christ and by his ministry to them and with them and around them. There were multitudes of blessings. They had already seen that, both in this world and then in the blessing of eternal life to come. But there are also plenty of places in the Gospels where Jesus is clear that along with those blessings there will be suffering, sacrifice, that may come for those who choose to fully follow Jesus, for those who choose to put their whole self in. I don't know if they fully understood what that might mean because things were so good so amazing, they couldn't imagine anything else. In verse 27, from what we read earlier, Jesus said, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. I don't know if his followers really realized what an extreme statement that was. You see, at this point, Jesus hadn't been to the cross. They lived with a pre-crucifixion mindset compared to the advantage we have in a post-crucifixion, post-resurrection view of the world. They hadn't experienced the agony of seeing their Lord crucified on the cross at this point. Nor had they experienced the victory of resurrection. I'm sure the thought that their Jesus would experience the cross was beyond anything they could imagine. Jesus was doing such amazing things, displaying the power of God that they would never have imagined it would come to the cross. I believe Jesus wanted them to understand it's not always going to be convenient to be my disciple. It's not always going to be convenient to do God's will. There will be times that require total commitment over what's convenient. Because choosing convenience over commitment will not move us forward as disciples of Christ. And if we intend to grow and remain healthy and strong, moving forward in our discipleship sometimes costs us. Maybe we need to think about what that could really mean in our lives, moving forward as disciples of Christ. I had an article show up in my inbox this week that contrasted good church members with growing disciples. And I was intrigued by the title, but I got to read through this. It was a real wake-up call for me as I read through it and considered my own journey as a disciple 
as well as our journeys as a church collectively. And whether or not I'm too comfortable choosing convenience rather than commitment. I want to share with you just a brief part of that article. Look at uh, the, the difference as they contrasted the two. This is how they define good church members. They attend regularly. They serve in some capacity. They give consistently and sacrificially. And the really committed ones help to lead in some way. That's a great list, right? It sounds awesome. Now, to qualify, growing disciples, which we'll look at in a minute, usually do these things as well. They're involved in the same kind of things. The difference is, according to the author, growing disciples make this list secondary to following Christ personally. This becomes an outgrowth of being a growing disciple. Serving, attendance, giving, flow out of their discipleship to Jesus, not only out of their commitment to a church. Let's look at the other side. Growing disciples. They arrange their life to be with Jesus. They intentionally pursue the character of Jesus. They increasingly love what Jesus loves. And they're committed to the mission of Jesus because of their devotion to Jesus. I've read those paragraphs and couldn't help but wonder, okay, really, deep down, which one of those am I? Really, deep down, which are we as a church? Good church members? Or growing disciples of Jesus Christ along with being good church members? One is a more convenient option. One requires putting our whole self in. Total commitment. The words of Jesus that call us to give up all to be his disciples are a call for sacrifice of anything, anything that would stand in the way of a relationship, a healthy, growing relationship with Christ. Now, we understand sacrificing for things that matter. We do that in our lives, most of us, in one way or another. Some people, as a part of their job, sacrifice and work weekends and work extra, work overtime as an employee, so one, they can keep their job, and two, they can be seen as this is somebody we really want to hang on to and maybe we should bump them up a little bit. Give them a raise, promote them in some way. So we sacrifice. Some people sacrifice their time and a lot of money for their child who's on a traveling sports team. Some people sacrifice 
sleep, their own personal comfort and energy when they choose to care for a loved one who is not healthy or strong. Could be a young child, could be a, an elderly person, could be someone struggling from an illness or surgery. And so they choose to sacrifice in order to care for that person they love. So we understand what it means to sacrifice, to totally commit to things that matter because we do it in other areas of our lives. In today's scripture, Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God should be a priority even above those things. The total priority, the total commitment for which we sacrifice all. We surrender all. We sacrifice all is our way to say, okay, Lord, I'm really going to live as if when I say you're more important than everything else, it really is the case. Undoubtedly, this scripture is a difficult teaching. It's a difficult passage of scripture, but it is central to the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ who wants to be a healthy, growing disciple. Nothing, nothing at all must come between us and our relationship with Jesus. Nothing should stand in the way of following Christ's command to love God with everything we have. Not money, not stuff, not jobs, not politics, not volunteer stuff, not family. Following Jesus is a way of life that demands everything of us and that everything becomes secondary to what Christ calls us to. Tough scripture, tough call, but wow, what blessing comes from it. A God who loves us, who treasures us, a God who calls us into a living, growing relationship with the living God. Is it worth giving up all for that? I vote yes. The call of the scripture to love God above all, all people, all things, is clear. The choice is ours. Convenience or commitment. It's a daily choice. We make it every day. Which will we choose? Would you pray with me? Lord, we love the benefits of being in relationship with you. We love the convenience of 24-hour access to our God. We love the convenience of a nice place to worship, of other people in the family of God to love us and encourage us. We love all the good and easy things about following you. You call us 
to follow at all costs when things aren't so easy or convenient. God, remind us our call is to surrender all. To surrender all to you. To surrender all that would get in the way of our relationship with you. To love you above all. So God, help us surrender all to you. Sometimes that's not so tough. Sometimes it's incredibly difficult. Because we sometimes prefer our own choices. We prefer the convenience of doing what we want when we want. Fill us with the desire to surrender all to you. That we might truly be your disciples. And thereby impact our own lives and the world around us. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.